In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and giver of life. Good morning. Beautiful to see you all here. <clears throat> I have an older brother named Joe, who when he was a little boy, he was, he was a pretty troubled kid. Um, he was awkward, he was not athletic, he talked too loud. He just did not fit in very well. Kids would tease him for being just so odd. And of course, this made him depressed and irritable and made him act out all the time. So a lot of the time, he was just super annoying. But every once in a while, usually when my mom was out of the house, something would happen that turned my brother Joe into the happiest boy in Minnesota. He would disappear into my mom's bathroom or bedroom for like an hour, and then he would emerge with the biggest grin on his face, his face smeared with mascara and lipstick and rouge, wearing the most glittery jewelry, the most colorful scarves, the fanciest dresses that he could find, and then as if he were carried by angels of joy, he would toddle onto the back porch in my mom's high heels, and our back porch had a view of the whole neighborhood, and suddenly he was Marie Callas making her grand entrance at the Met. And he would fling out his arms, and he would sing. If it's true, as St. Irenaeus said, that the glory of God is a person fully alive, then my brother was the glory of God on full display for our neighbor. And when mom came home, she would, she would despair at the state of her makeup drawer, but I don't think she ever found it in her heart to condemn this sad, lonely little boy for the transgressive crime of finding his joy. So, this morning, we are treated to the archetypal story of how God created the first woman from the rib of the first man. At least that's how we've been taught to read this story. Some people love to point to this story as proof, proof that there are two and only two distinct gender expressions, as if God himself established these genders as surely as he created the stars in heaven. So of course, this is a story that has been used by the bullies of the world to beat up people like my brother. But I learned something new this week while I was preparing my sermon. Uh, and at my age, that's an amazing thing. <clears throat> I learned that there's a very plausible and rather traditional interpretation of this story in which Adam does not actually become a male until after his rib is removed and formed into Eve. In other words, before that divine bit of surgery, Adam was not a male per se, he was rather a gender neutral being. I was skeptical of this interpretation at first until I discovered that it's actually a rather plain reading of the text. Once you put aside hundreds of years of binary thinking and you read the story in its ancient Hebrew. 
which I hire people to do for me, because I can't. <laughs> uh, turns out, for example, we interpret as the name for this first human, Adam, what we interpret is more, it's, it's not so much a name as it is a title. Ha-Adam, which literally translates as the earth being, or the earthling. The Hebrew makes it a charming play on words because the word for earth is ha-adama. So ha-adam is formed from ha-adama. Someone once said we should just call him Dusty for this reason. <laughs> Except that's a typical male name and ha-adam is more like a gender neutral title. A perfectly good translation in English would simply be the human, because the word human also has its roots in the Indo-European word for earth. Quite literally, to be human means to be made of the earth. So the first point is that the essence of this being is not that they're male, but rather that they are made of the earth. It's a name designed to call us back to our own ground, to the true substance of our being and our connectedness to the creation, which is not yet a gendered being at all, but more fundamentally, for, more fundamentally an earth being. Reminds me of something Carl Jung wrote. He said, my pilgrim's progress has been to climb down a thousand ladders until I could finally reach out a hand of friendship to the little clod of earth that I am. Isn't that gorgeous? That is what Ha Adam is inviting us to do, to climb down a thousand ladders until we can finally reach out a hand of friendship to the little clod of earth that we are. It also reminds me of my favorite Buddhist monk, Thich Nhat Hanh, who before every meal, he takes a moment to remember how he himself is composed of the food he's about to consume. He finds his origin in the earth that produces the rice and the greens. He remembers how those plants absorbed sunlight and drew minerals from out of the ground and how his very body is entirely composed of that light and that ground. <clears throat> and then the story goes, God casts a deep sleep over the earthling and surgically creates two genders, male and female. And it's only after the surgery that the common Hebrew word for man is applied to Adam. He becomes Ish, which is translated as man, and his partner is declared Isha, woman. So in other words, according to this interpretation, our original state is as gender fluid and non-binary as it gets which is, of course, how we actually develop in the womb, right? Our female or male body parts don't begin to differentiate until seven weeks after conception. 
The only way a doctor can tell them apart is by testing the embryo's chromosomes. So by all appearances, we all begin life as gender-neutral beings. At any rate, for some of us, the only reason why any of this is interesting at all is because it's very useful ammunition in the gender wars. I mean, would we be even talking about this if not for the fact that for hundreds of years, women were told by men that they did not get to vote or own property or escape their abusive relationships because Adam was a guy and he was created first. Just as gays and lesbians and trans and non-binary people have been told that the reason they don't deserve respect is because God created us male and female and that is strictly binary and it has nothing, there's nothing in between. Which of course is sheer nonsense. Contradicted by the plain facts of the natural world. So, whenever we get into this story about Adam and Eve, I think it's important to just say a few things out loud. First, we don't need an Iron Age creation story to tell us whether or not equality and dignity and respect for difference is a good thing. We can decide that for ourselves, and indeed we have, thanks in large part to the influence of Jesus and his stunning displays of love for outcasts and sinners and women and children, as we saw in the Gospel this morning. Second, as soon as we actually begin to listen to gender non-conforming persons, it's obvious how beautiful we all are how alive we all become when we're allowed to wear the clothes that fit us and given a chance to sing in them. The world is such a more beautiful place when the flower is in bloom. And third, as I've said, can, contained within our most ancient origin stories, we, think we can discover our most fundamental identity, which is not as male or female, but rather as beings made of the earth. Which is why I love to wrestle with these difficult ancient texts. It turns out they have so much to teach us than we might normally presume. It turns out that the ancients knew things that we don't. Their stories are like owls they see in the dark. They can teach us about shadows and primordial light. They lived in worlds where gods are as real as trees and horsemen appear in the night and the moon is speaking through dreams. These old stories have so much to teach us. And as it turns out, we too have maybe something to teach them that the revelation continues as it happens because we too have seen fairies in the backyard and pixies with painted faces dancing, dancing in the garden, streaming glitter. We have seen joyful little boys in lipstick and girls who giggle as they outrun every boy in their class. And so we come to church and our mutual revelations meet. Our ancient texts kiss the morning newspaper, 
And in the process, a modern gospel is written by moonlight. And as the dawn breaks, we walk out into our backyards and we feel the dirt under our toes and an ethereal breeze greets our faces and we sing. Amen.